But again, that's why we're sharing this stuff to hopefully save you guys and just get you to think and do a little bit more research as you're looking to purchase your first or your next short-term rental property. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is going on, E? My brother. What a week. What a week. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I am super blessed, super grateful. Um, real estate is crazy. I got three, three properties closing this month, and there's just the usual little fires going on. Um, I went live with a listing today. I got three showings, day one, one offer, full price, day one. So I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I'm just gonna take it, run with it. And uh, yeah, you know, life nice. is good. Yeah. So this is, this is on the sales side, the brokerage side. Yeah, the brokerage <laughs> side, yeah. And and Air, like and our vacation rentals also though, they're, they're just going crazy. Like people keep coming down and then as I guess winter is probably, I'm going to come, come knocking up there soon. And I've, I already starting to get all my usual New York, Boston, Baltimore, Jersey people already calling, asking to, uh, what the availability for the, for the winter months is. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's starting to cool down. I just got to New Hampshire and I was just checking the weather. It's 48 up here. So yeah. it's getting, yeah. getting a bit nippy, got the nice foliage going on, but it definitely makes you start thinking about, how am I going to escape to get some warm weather for sure? Right. Exactly. So, so I think as, as always, right. And then with everything being so uncertain, um, I think people are, are not going to be able to leave the country that would normally leave and go somewhere else. So the warm places are, are still going to be a top kind of destination during the winter. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to being back up to historic occupancy, but I think we might be able to go even higher. So I wouldn't doubt it. I, we're having the last couple of months have been some of our best months yet, to be totally honest, from an occupancy and a revenue standpoint. Like even, even now, some of our properties that were 100% booked last year, we were at like 74% when I checked today for October and the revenue is already higher than it was last year. So our average nightly rates are up uh, a substantial amount. And yeah. we still got plenty of upside. So it's, uh, it's been interesting for sure. Yeah. I was, uh, I was running actually, that's funny that you said that because I was running a report for a client that is looking to buy an Airbnb property um, down here. And we're, I was using AirDNA. We got, for those of in the group, we got an amazing deal through AirDNA. Um, so I've been thinking full advantage since. Uh, and I was running it. And it's so fascinating to me to see because they go back with the data of the rates of one bedrooms back in 2018 versus the rates now. They used to start at like $50, $60. Now they're up to like $135, $190. So it's just very fascinating to see how the industry just keeps getting better and the prices to keep going up 
Um, so it's it's going to be definitely some some interesting years, um, which I think why it's going to be so great to to kind of talk about what we're going to talk about, um, because you know if you are going to buy an Airbnb, like let's say that you're going to do it, you've been saving up. What are some things for you to consider? Um, we put five of them together. I'm going to kind of take us off. Um, the number one thing is. It's an investment, right? So you should always run it, even if you think you're gonna do short-term rentals, even if you got the AirDNA report and you know exactly where you're gonna charge per night, you should always run your numbers as a long-term rental. That way, yeah, that way you know if anything happens, you're safe that you can afford a property as a long-term rental. Because you don't know if you're going to like it, if you're going to like being a host, especially if this is going to be your first property. Ease of mind, always run it as a long-term rental. That's always been my rule of thumb. And again, just a quick recap, because I know we went live in the private Facebook group. So if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you join the Short-Term Rental Secrets Facebook group, because we stream these episodes live, and we actually field your questions live. So a lot of times we cut the podcast off, but then we open it up to ask our guests questions or you can ask E&I questions directly and we'll answer them live for you guys. So make sure you join that Facebook group. It's totally free. Um, so check that out. I think the, just go to Facebook and search for short-term rental secrets and you'll find the group. Um, but today, again, just a quick recap, we're going to be going through five things to consider when purchasing a short-term rental property. So as E was mentioning, the first thing that you want to think about that this is an investment and I always tell people, run the numbers both ways. Yes, it will cash flow as a short-term rental. We already know that because it will, it just generates so much more cash flow compared to a long-term rental. But if regulations or other things change, or you decide that you just want to put somebody in there long-term for whatever reason, you want to make sure that that property will still cash flow if you rent it out by the year instead of by the night. The key to success in real estate, and he's been doing this longer than I have on multifamily, short-term rentals, whatever, is to always have multiple exit strategies. So you want to buy the property right. You want to have different options while you're holding the property to make sure that you continue to cash flow. Some of the questions that I get asked a lot, and I'm sure you do too as a broker, is people are analyzing these deals and they're like, yeah, I'm like, so how much does it cash flow? How much does it profit you every single month after all your expenses? And they're like, well, it kind of breaks even, uh, but there's a lot of upside, right? Like real estate always goes up. And I always caution people, buy real estate for cash flow now. Like the equity is great, but at the end of the day, if you read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if I bought this place and it cost me, I lost $400 a month, but I say, yeah, but it's going to be worth an extra 20 grand in 20 years. Okay, great. But it's costing me about five grand a year just to hold this thing. So it's all about cash flow now, especially for a lot of the listeners on the show. The goal is financial freedom. The only way to become financially free is to generate cash flow now. So always, always, always focus on cash flow. Yeah. And, and the last thing on that first topic that kind of fits in is remember to look at it as a business. So even if it is like Mike, when he bought his first property, there was a vacation home from him and his family. He was still looking at it as a business. So that's that you can get emotionally 
attached to it. And, and we're great at not being emotionally attached to our 401k, our investments. But when it comes to real estate, for some reason, maybe it's the fact there is a home, maybe it's the fact that you're going to use it as your family. People tend to get emotionally attached. This has to be run simple. You run it like a long-term rental. Does it make sense? Do the regulation allow it? It's a business. If it stops making sense, it's not making you money, causing you more of a headache, you need to cut it. Or you need to find a way to make it, make it work. Absolutely. So the, <clears throat> the second thing that I want to talk about is there most people when they think about short-term rentals, they think about either vacation rentals or like business travel. But I want to break this down. I want to go a little bit deeper for you guys to hopefully open your eyes a little bit too. There's essentially nine different reasons why people travel. Okay. So the more of these people that you can serve, the more diverse your, I guess, guest base can be, the higher your occupancy will be, the higher your revenue will be. So yes, the first, the first group are vacationers. The second group is business travel. So if you're near any business centers or things like that, great. The third group is medical. So again, during COVID, right, like in the spring, a lot of our properties are within a 15 to 30 minute drive of a decent sized hospital. It doesn't have to be the biggest hospital, but if there's any inpatient or outpatient services, somebody goes in and has some type of procedure, they need to stick around for a little bit. Maybe they have to do some outpatient work or rehab work for a few weeks and they're not going to stay in the hospital. Great. Then they can stay at your property. You've also got traveling nurses, traveling doctors, family that's coming to visit people in the hospital. So medical, again, if you're looking at any market, I don't care if you're in Disney or in the mountains or in a city, see if there's a hospital within a 15 to 20 minute driving radius from you because you could pull some bookings just from that. Then the fourth one is academic. Now, obviously this one's a little slower right now with everything going on with COVID, but if you are near any type of university or a uh, college or especially like a trade school, like a cosmetology or some type of six to 12, 15 week program where people are coming to get some type of certification and it's, it's going to be not cost effective to stay in a hotel and have to eat out every day. They want to stay in somebody's home where they've got a kitchen. Maybe they could bunk up with somebody else in the program or whatever. Those are great opportunities for short-term rentals. Okay. The next one is military. Now, again, this one's a little more niche, but if you're anywhere near a decent sized military base, again, you've going to, you're going to have folks that may be getting relocated there. Maybe they don't have barracks on, on premise for them to stay in, but then they're also gonna have family that's gonna be coming to visit them. So military folks, they can get relocated fairly quickly. They're gonna need a place to stay and their family's gonna need a place to come and visit them. Uh, five is, uh, excuse me, six is entertainment. So if you're near a convention center, and again, these again are obviously slower with COVID going on and all these different restrictions, but when you think holistically, Again, you wanna try and be around as many of these as possible. So convention centers, uh, concert halls, sports stadiums, any type of uh, properties or buildings that draw large crowds, those are obviously good for short-term rentals. Now, I don't like to base my business around that personally because again, when I think of a lot of conventions and sporting events, I think of parties, right? So if it's a business convention, that's one thing, but if you're, you know, banking on Coachella guests and things like that. Like, I don't, I don't like catering to those guests personally at my property, but again, 
you do you, you got to figure out who you want to serve. And I'll talk about that in just a second. So convention centers is six, uh, entertainment is six. Uh, then seven is relocation. Okay. Now this can apply literally anywhere. So folks take new jobs, they get relocated, right? Like my son's teacher, her husband just got a, a job in Texas. So they literally had to up and move within like two weeks to Texas for his new job. Now they couldn't find an apartment or a house in time. So they stayed at somebody's house on Airbnb for I think three or four weeks to go house hunting while they relocated down there. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you're not going to base your business around that, but that's just another opportunity that you have quite frankly, anywhere like these types of things just happen, which brings me to the next one, which is life events. Now I would say, honestly, probably half of my bookings are related to just general life events. It could be birthdays, weddings, funerals, uh, graduations, any, anything that is a, a life event where Family people are coming events. together. What's that? Family reunions. I have a family lot of family reunions. Yeah, exactly. Some of my larger properties, I get a ton of family reunions. Um, any of those types of events, again, they work anywhere. Even if you're in a small town, people move away to go work in the big city, but guess what? On holidays, they're coming home on birthdays. They're coming home, right? Like my brother moved to Athens, Georgia. They come back a few times a year to come and visit and his family's growing and we can't fit them in my house anymore. So what do they do? They stay at a short-term rental property, right? So that's a whole, honestly, that's probably 50% of my business is just people coming back to visit family or to get together for some type of reason like that. Yeah. And then the, uh, the last one is emergency. And again, you're not basing your business on this, but it's just another thing to think about. Like E you guys get hurricanes or anything like that. Like, unfortunately these types of things happen where people's houses get destroyed. And while the insurance companies are figuring things out, they need a place to stay, right? Like it could be house fires. It could be floods. It could be, um, God, all that crazy stuff going on with the, the huge forest fires in California, right? Like people yeah. just have to leave. Like you don't plan on that kind of stuff, but Freaking, it's just another right. thing. It's just, yeah. I mean, it sounds terrible, but it's true. Yeah. Like people get displaced for a variety of emergency reasons. And, you know, I've had a few of them. I don't base my whole business around it, but I just want you to start thinking holistically about your business of who, who could you serve and how can you adjust your marketing during certain times, i.e. like during the peak of COVID back in the spring, a lot of people threw their hands up and they're like, well, I've got a property in Florida. Nobody's coming here to go to the beach right now because the beach is closed. Our, pro our Florida property was booking up. Like people were going there for a variety of reasons to go and check on their family. We had doctors getting relocated to certain hospital areas down there. Like you could get bookings. You just have to understand who can you serve at different points in time and then tweaking your headlines and your photos and your descriptions to attract those types of people. So those yeah. are the nine different reasons why people travel. So as you're identifying locations or different markets that you want to be in, okay, great. I love being up here in the mountains, but there's also a hospital about 10 minutes away. There's ski resorts, there's hiking, there's uh, some business, not a lot, but then I can also cater to people, especially now that want to do the workations. So we make sure that we have high speed Wi-Fi in here. I've got a Wi-Fi printer over there. We've got a workstation over here if they want to work at the island. Like just thinking about how can I serve as many different traveler profiles as possible will help keep your occupancy and your revenue up 
regardless of go what's going on in the market. Yeah. And especially if you're analyzing a market that you're not super familiar with and the, it's a property that you won't necessarily use, the more of these things that you can kind of hit, the better it is, right? So as I'm here listening to Mike, I know that over time, my property has probably catered to all nine of these travelers, right? Because we get everybody in between. We get people coming to visit. We have a lot of apartments in one location. So we get family reunion. Um, I have a guy that's been with us almost a year now doing house renovation after one of his pipe exploded and destroyed all his house, right? And also being able to really get into all these different travelers' mind helps you with the marketing, right? So I work with a lot of like real estate agents. So all of my real estate agents know, also because I'm a real estate agent, but they know, hey, your client needs a house in between closings, come to us, right? Because I'll pay your commission and your client is going to get the comfort of a house without being home rather than staying in a hotel. So it's really like the more you're aware of the different type of travelers, the more you can kind of play and tweak your marketing and your message to reach out to the most amount of people. Because what happens if, if you're very narrowed down to one category or two categories of travelers, like COVID happens, what are you going to do, right? Like where, where are you going to turn? That kind of brings perfectly into our next point, which is seasonality. you can buy a property that has some seasonality, but you don't want to buy a property that is hundred percent seasonal unless you're ready for it. Right? So unless it's something that you want to use for your family, let's say you love vacation in the outer banks and you go, you go there you use it every summer and you guys have used it for years, but you already know in the winter, nobody lives there. Right? We had a guest on the podcast, uh, Rory was it Rory? Yeah, I think it was Rory. They said it. I wanted to buy there, but then I realized that I was going to have zero booking in the off season. And that was not something that I was willing to do. And then we also had another guest, Len Giancola, that talked about how if you have a place by the beach that's kind of close to other things, kind of very similar to what Mike was saying, you have your high season and low season. But even your low season, you get some people that still come through for other things that allows you to kind of like go through the seasonality so that maybe in your off season, you're still at 60%, 50% occupancy. But then in your season, you really make up the difference by being over 90, 95, 100% occupied. I think the key is just understanding. <clears throat> it's not so much if you want to buy a property like my brother's beach house uh, in Rosemary Beach highly seasonal but he knew that going into it and he bought it in the middle of the summer and then basically finished getting it set up kind of after the peak season so he was aware that he needed to have cash on hand to kind of float him until the next busy season came around so you just need to understand that seasonality and that's why e and i use tools like air dna to go in there and look at historical data to see okay what's the average occupancy rate for a four bed, three bath or a two one or whatever property in this zip code in this market over the last couple of years so that you can understand, okay, if I'm buying a beach house in September, how much revenue am I going to be able to generate from September until Memorial Day? What can I sustain that? And if you can, that's fine. But you just want to be aware of that, that based on the time that you buy a property, you might need to have some extra cash reserves in place 
in order to cover you through that shoulder season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what I love about, about real estate in general. It works for everybody in all situations because it's very custom to what your needs are. So one of the properties that I'm selling right now, it's, it's a condo that needs a lot of renovation, but the people are coming down anyways. They want to be local to supervisor renovations, but they rented themselves something for six months, a vacation rental, so that they can stay there for six months while the renovation happens and they can be there to physically witness it. So who am I to say, hey, this deal doesn't make sense for you guys? Because to them, this is absolutely perfect. I don't want to live in it. I want to be local while it gets renovated. I want to see it every day and go there. And it's the same thing, right? Like if you're one of vacation rental for your family and you, that's all you care about. So the cash flow that you do make when you make it is just the extra icing on top of the cake. That's perfect. You know, there's not right or wrong. Exactly. Exactly. So the next point, point number four that we want to talk about is basically covering your butt and ensuring your, your assets basically. So there's a couple things that I want to talk about. So the first one is insurance. So most um, traditional, you know, homeowners policies have exclusions when you start renting out the property. So I know for me, I've always recommended a company called proper it's proper dot insure. And they're basically a blended homeowners liability insurance policy that is specifically designed for short term rental properties. Now it costs a little bit more than a regular homeowners, but it also covers any issues that come up as a direct result from renting. So anything from, uh, you know, God forbid somebody got like bed bugs or had a fire in your property or whatever, any damage that a renter would cause, you're covered for that. And they also have loss of income insurance and all sorts of other different things. So making sure that the property itself is properly insured, no pun intended, (laughs) you want to make sure that that's set up. And I know that's not a sexy topic, but it's something that you need to keep in mind because you want to protect that investment. And the next thing is how do you keep, how do you keep control and security over the property? Right? Especially like I'm in New Hampshire now, this is three hours away from where I live. This was the first short-term rental that we did. How could I maintain control over my property and make sure nobody was throwing parties up here? You know, there was no shenanigans going on. So there's a couple different pieces of technology that we use in all of our properties to make sure that we have eyes and ears and control over the property at all times. So the first one is using security cameras on the outside of the property, right? So we use ring cameras, I've got some, some properties have the doorbell cameras. Some of them have the spotlight cameras. Um, it doesn't matter, but you want to have some type of security camera so that you can have eyes on the outside, not the inside, the outside of the property, just to make sure that you know who's going in and out of your property. The next piece is to use Wi-Fi locks. So for me, I like to use locks that integrate directly with my property management software and the channels like Airbnb and VRBO and booking.com so that Every time somebody books my place that a new code gets generated and the old ones expire. So nobody can just get access to my property or come back. If you use just a traditional keypad code or a lockbox, unless you're going over there and changing it after every guest, you've got a security risk, right? You're having people that are trusting you to take care of them, stay in your home. You don't want somebody coming back there and just getting access to the property. God forbid when somebody else is in there. So use a smart Wi-Fi lock. And the third thing is a piece of technology called noise aware. 
that I absolutely love. And we've had uh, one of the co-founders, Dave Krause, on here, probably back in the early episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that does is it measures noise levels. Actually, mine's right over here. I'd show you guys, but it's a little dark. Um, it measures noise levels. It doesn't record sounds or anything like that. It's not like Alexa. All it does is measures decibels. And what that does is I can set it up and customize it however I want. But for me, my quiet hours are 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. So if they go over a certain threshold during that time, I'll get a text message right away. And then I can reach out to the guest or send my team to just check in, make sure everything's okay and there's no parties or anything going on. So we've got eyes, ears, and can control access to the property 24-7. And that's how we're able, we were able to scale and go to five different states because we were able to maintain that control. So again, if you, like me, live in the Northeast and you want to have a place in Florida or up in the mountains and it's not near where you live, you want to have some of this technology in place so that you're comfortable that you can maintain control over your property at all times. Mm-hmm. And, and the great news, guys, is, is as this industry grows and as a smart home movement also grows, there's going to be more and more things for you to use. Um, for example, like having, having a smart thermostat is also huge because I remember having one of my thing as I started in this industry. Um, one of my jobs as a maintenance guy at the very beginning was when guests checked out, I had to go through every single apartment and make sure that the AC was up because some guests would leave it down, it would freeze, and then it would, it would break the AC or it would start leaking, right? So you have all these things that you can go and put for yourself there. And then those are all things that help you in this one category of like insurance and just overall peace of mind that you can have. Another big thing for overall peace of mind is for you to be mindful and to, for you to do the research necessary for you to have peace of mind around regulations and HOAs and what the rules are and how to make sure that what you're doing is viable long-term. So obviously going back to step number one, right? We still run it as a long-term because politics is politics, governments can change and regulations can change any minute. So you take care of that by running it, as we said, as a long-term rental. So in case that does happen, you can switch it to a long-term rental. You'll still make money. You're not coming out of pocket. All is good. But number two is also you have to make sure that one, your HOA, for those people that have HOA, does allow it. How it does allow it. Because obviously you don't want to ignore these facts. And then your guest gets a visit from the HOA or a visit from the city or a code violation from the city on their door, right? Those are all things that you wouldn't want as a guest. So you should put yourself in those shoes beforehand and make sure, okay, everything that I'm doing is done right. And also because you're putting so much effort in creating this property and really Every booking makes you money, but you need a lot of bookings to make money. So if you've done a great job with the staging, you've done a great job with everything else, you get a great couple of first reviews, you're about to really start bringing in that money that you know you can, but then you forgot to look at a regulation. All of this big plan that you did, especially if you actually invested the money to buy the property and you forgot to look at regulations, shit right? Like yeah, exactly. Nothing else to exactly. say, you know? So you wasted so, months of work. So what I, what I always advise people is first and foremost, call the town 
or the city that you're planning to buy in and just talk to the town clerk and just ask them, hey, are there any regulations or restrictions or a permitting process for short-term rentals? And buying this property either as a vacation home or as an investment. And I just want to make sure that I follow any protocols that you guys have in place. You know, I want to do the right thing and make sure that we're up to code on everything. And, you know, a lot of cities will have some type of permitting process where the board of health or the city inspector will come out there. They'll test your smoke detectors, make sure the windows open, you know, go through some pretty basic stuff. And then they'll give you a piece of paper that says, you know, here's your permit. You pay them hundred or 200 bucks and you're good to go. And then you register with the state and you're all set. Um, the next layer though is <clears throat> if you are in an HOA, like this is, this is a condo. And so before I bought this condo, I went, I contacted the, the chairman of the board and I got copies of all the meeting minutes for the last 12 months. And I read through all the meeting minutes and asked them, you know, are short-term rentals allowed? Are there any pending questions coming up? Like, are you guys going to be changing the regulations or whatever? Now, we ended up buying the place, everything's fine, but I will tell you, especially like during COVID, everything shut down in this community. And then we had some issues where the board didn't want to open it back up even after the state did. So just keep in mind when you do get into a condo situation, there's just one extra layer of regulation that can be a pain in your butt. So yes, the price points are nice. Yes, all the landscaping, the maintenance is taken care of, but there's just that one other little piece that you just want to keep in mind that if they say, Hey, sorry, you know, we're changing the bylaws or we're going to change this, or, you know, you have to have a 30 day minimum or whatever. Again, it goes back to ease point. Can I rent this out on a long-term basis? If for whatever reason, the regulations change, can I still cash flow on a long-term basis as opposed to a short-term basis? Yeah. And on that, just look at also the, the, what the mix of the community is, right? So if you're one of the new bloods in, in the community, you're going to be the first one doing vacation rentals. You're going to be taking a lot of shit that maybe you wouldn't if you go into a community where there is already a couple of people doing vacation rentals. So already somebody else has done kind of that level of work. Because especially if you come down where I am, right? South Florida, HOAs are pretty much in every community. And a lot of the times, if you have a lot of the old garden, they just don't want things to change because they like it the way they like it. And there is nothing you can do about it. And they're the ones that go to all the HOA meetings and they're the ones that vote. And it's been the same president and treasurer and vice president for the past 12 years. And nobody else wants to do it. Right. So be very mindful of, and don't think that you're going to win it. Don't think that you're going to take them to court. Like that's not a reliable and sustainable way of you doing something like it should be easy. It should be welcome as something that adds value to the neighborhood, adds value to the house, value of the property and everything else. Don't try to be a, I'm going to change this HOA. I'm going to run it the way I run it because I know so much better because it, it'll, it'll be a uphill battle that it's not really necessary or worth Trust it. Trust me. We, t we talk from experience. So yeah, I've, I've made all these mistakes where, <laughs> city comes in, uh, you know, HOA comes in and it just, it, it can be a pain in the butt. But again, that's why we're sharing this stuff to hopefully save you guys and just get you to think and do a little bit more research as you're looking to purchase your first or your next short-term rental property. It's not to scare you off. It's just to educate you. Like good investments come from making good decisions.
and you need good information to make those decisions. So hopefully those five points help guys. So you want to recap them first one? Yeah. So you have run it like a long-term and run it like a business. So always look at it like a business. Then we have run the, the numbers both ways is a short term yeah. and a long-term and a long-term. We have the nine type of travelers. I yep. don't remember off the top of my head. Seasonality. We're going to have to recap them all. Yep. Yeah. Basically again, thinking, thinking about how many people you can serve in your market. Yep. Seasonality, insurance, yep. and how to add layers of protection through smart homes and all the new technology. And then the last one was regulation, HOA, and both regulations from the county, from the city, from the state that really make, make sure that you can do what you're, you're planning on doing. Love it. Awesome. Any, any final words for this week, E? It's, it's, this business is great. Every time you're going to have moments at the beginning and you're going to have moments when you're in it for a lot of time. And for example, Mike setting up a property today shows up at the property expecting to be ready and it's not ready, right? Where you're just going to have to take a breath, remember everything that you've learned, and then just kind of work through the progress, work through the process, and just get it done. Because at the end of the day, this is one of those businesses that your success is really just determined by what you're willing or not willing to do. And if you're willing to do anything, this business works. It's just like any business, guys. And that's yeah, why... Really. We talk about it so many times, really driving into your why. You know, why do you want to get into the business? What are your goals? Creating the business. You know, if you haven't listened to it, go back and check out uh, the podcast episode that we did on uh, how to design the business to fit you and your lifestyle and what your goals are. Um, go back and check that one out. And it's really just getting clear on that. And then if the why is strong enough and you set it up the right way, the business will work for you. Like anything, there's going to be ups and downs, good days and bad days. But net net, at the end of the day, this is a very profitable, fun, and quite frankly, streamlined business that you could get into very quickly and scale it and create some financial freedom for yourself and your family, or just own a second home wherever you want that you know pays for itself and pays you every single month. So it's an incredible investment vehicle. If you take the time to just do a little research, take some of the advice that we're telling you guys today, do a little homework, and then you're good to go. And guys, uh, with Halloween coming up, me and Mike just thought about this today. We're going to do an episode. It's going to be a horror episode where we're going to share our worst stories. Um, so if you have a t terrible story that you would like to share, you can send it over to us, um, and we'll pick one or two that we can kind of tell along with our stories. Um, I'm going to have to think about this because I have some. I've got some doozies. Over, <laughs> over the past 10 years, I've got some stuff. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Speaking of Halloween, my wife's trying to show me some green spandex costumes that she wants oh, yeah. me to wear. So Rocket. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But yes. Anyway, it will happen. And he will wear it on the podcast. <laughs> You heard it here oh, first. I don't know about that. Well, anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, make sure you join the free Facebook group because 
I know we put a bunch of content in there. We do Mindset Mondays, Free Coaching Fridays. We record the podcast. We share some wins in there on Wednesdays. There's a lot of really good content going in there. We're building up an awesome community of short-term rental op uh, operators all over the world. So check it out. Go to Facebook. Join the group, Short-Term Rental Secrets. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.